Welcome to the Unmade Podcast, looking at media and marketing from an Australian perspective. I'm Tim Burrows. Recently, I published my first book, Media Unmade. It quickly became an Amazon bestseller. It's the story of Australian media's most disruptive decade. It's published by Hardy Grant, and you can buy it at all good bookshops and online. In the coming weeks, I'll be sharing the full audio edition of the book here on the Unmade podcast. Coming up is the next chapter. Now remember, only Unmade's paying subscribers get to hear every chapter. If you haven't already, you can sign up at unmade.media. As well as supporting my work as an independent journalist, you'll receive exclusive industry analysis in both written and podcast form. And once you sign up, you'll still be able to get our paid podcasts inside the app of your choice. It only takes a couple of clicks. Now, on with the book. Act 3. The Remaking. Chapter 17. The CBS Shock. In which... The federal government finally loosens media ownership laws, but it's of no help to Lachlan Murdoch, whose strategy to gain control of 10 comes unstuck at the last minute, thanks to a bid that nobody saw coming. The planets were aligning. 10 was now Lachlan Murdoch's to lose. Nearly seven years after the surprise move by James Packer and his friend Lachlan to buy stakes in the company, it looked like Network 10 would once again be controlled by the Murdoch family. Foxtel, half owned by News Corp, had bought 15% of 10 on top of Lachlan's 9% stake. And Foxtel's sales house, MCN, was now responsible for selling 10's advertising inventory. In turn, 10 had taken a 25% stake in MCN. Already, the two organisations were working together on their programming. Gogglebox, in which ordinary Australians commented on the week's TV, had been co-commissioned by 10 and Foxtel's Lifestyle Channel and was running across both networks. 10 had also handed over most of its rights to Formula One races to News Corp's Fox Sports. And it seemed like a matter of time before Sky News would be providing the bulletins. And Murdoch had even more sway. He, Packer and fellow shareholder Bruce Gordon were the guarantors of 10's $200 million loan facility, which was coming due at the end of 2017. Gordon was deep into the TV world in his own right as the owner of regional broadcaster Wynn Corporation. Wynn had been forced to become the regional affiliate for 10 in July 2016, after Nine ditched its partner for Southern Cross Austereo. 10 was in no position to repay the loan and indeed would need to roll it over as an increased $250 million facility while it executed yet another cost-cutting turnaround plan. Packer had already said he would not be part of guaranteeing a new loan. 
And one of the last legal barriers to News Corp aligned ownership of 10 vanished with the kind of convenient timing that seemed to occur when the Murdoch family wanted something. In May 2017, the coalition government announced sweeping changes to the media ownership laws. The two out of three rule, which would have stopped News Corp's newspaper arm, 10's TV licences and Lachlan Murdoch's Nova Entertainment radio business being in common control, was about to be repealed. Murdoch seemed to have two options for his final step. To let the company go bust and use his status as the lone guarantor to put him at the front of the queue to pick up the distressed network at a bargain price. Or launch a takeover bid once the law change passed. Murdoch had given up being represented on the 10 board back in March when his nominee, Siobhan McKenna, resigned to join him at News Corp in the new role of Group Director of Broadcasting. This removed problems over conflict of interest, but also meant that timing of any move into administration would be a matter for a 10 board on which he no longer had any vote. Board members face enormous financial or even criminal penalties if they allow a company to trade while insolvent. The key test of solvency is being confident that all bills can be paid as and when they become due. So the key issue for the board was coming up with a realistic plan to refinance the company. Inconveniently for Murdoch, if he was indeed hoping for 10 to go into administration, the board was fighting on. CEO Paul Anderson was working on plans for another round of cost-cutting, and the government's planned changes to the media law would also include a massive reduction on the annual licence fees. A key part of the refinancing plan would be renegotiating the company's expensive US studio deals. They'd been made at a time when overseas content rated better, By far the most costly future contracts were with CBS Corporation and 21st Century Fox, a sister company to News Corp. Knowing that it potentially had more to lose if 10 went into administration than if it survived, CBS played ball and tentatively agreed that if the company got through its cash crunch and 21st Century Fox cooperated too, then it would reduce its fees. Then Murdoch and Gordon dropped a bomb. On the evening of Friday the 9th of June, they told the board that they would not provide a guarantee for a new loan. Even so, 10 was still in the fight. The board's corporate advisory service, Merlis & Co, was already working on other refinancing options. The Australian Financial Review's Tony Boyd would later reveal in his Chanticleer column that, at that crucial moment, 21st Century Fox stopped taking Ten's calls after months of conversations. Boyd worded his revelation carefully. He certainly didn't claim that there was any form of misbehaviour by the Murdoch-aligned US company. There was one final piece of the puzzle missing, 
an agreement with 21st Century Fox to agree to a replacement content supply agreement. During the negotiations over the past two weeks, Ten made it clear to 21st Century Fox's President of International Distribution, Mark Kaner, that there was a certain urgency to getting a deal done. According to Boyd, the management team at Ten, one of 21st Century Fox's most important overseas clients, were trying to call Kaner several times per hour, yet he was inexplicably failing to respond. Last week, Kaner became difficult to contact. Last Friday, after Murdoch and Gordon said they would not renew their guarantees of the CBA facility, the board was still confident it could get a refinancing facility in place. Rival Hollywood studio CBS had already agreed to a replacement content deal. The moment that Kaner agreed to a new deal, Ten would have prepared a term sheet for its corporate advisor, Merlis. For more than three days, Kaner did not respond. And on the evening of Monday the 12th of June, the advisory company being used by Murdoch and Gordon's lawyer wrote to Ten's directors. They believed the board was legally obliged to put the company into administration. Fort Street Advisors has been requested by our clients to put you each on notice that, to the extent they are damaged by you failing to prevent drawdowns under the existing facility in breach of the statutory requirements mentioned above, they will reserve their rights to pursue the statutory compensation rights they may have against you personally, said the letter. In other words... If the company drew down any more money from the $200 million loan facility, the directors could be personally liable. And staff wages were due. Little more than a day later, the board called in administrators called Amentha. And wouldn't you just know it, the moment it would no longer help 10, 21st Century Fox got back in touch. The ultimate irony, and perhaps the ultimate coincidence, is that one hour after the company was put into administration, there was an email from Kaner at 21st Century Fox saying he had agreed to a replacement content deal for 10, revealed Boyd a few days later. That evening, Murdoch and Gordon informed the ASX that they will be working together on the future ownership of 10. Under the administration of insolvency specialists called Amentha, Ten continued with business as usual, with CEO Paul Anderson still at the helm. Within days, the first creditors' meeting heard from administrator Mark Corder that it was very, very unlikely that the business would go to the wall, with several organisations interested in buying Ten as a going concern. And the lights continued to turn green for Murdoch. On the 21st of June, a week after 10 went into administration, the government's media reforms bill cleared the House of Representatives. It was yet to clear the Senate, though, where Labour, which was against the change to the two out of three rule, would be slightly better placed to resist. Communications Minister Mitch Fifield made clear who his stakeholders were. Rather than looking primarily through the lens of media diversity, it was the media owners that mattered. 
Who is in a better position to know what is best for the viability of Australian media organisations and the thousands of jobs it supports? He asked in a press release. Is it A, 7, 9, 10, Prime, Win, Southern Cross Stereo, Fairfax, News Limited, Commercial Radio Australia, Free TV Australia and Astra? Or B, the Labour Party? Another hurdle for Murdoch was the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission. The previous big media acquisition the ACCC had been asked to rule on had been the proposal for outdoor advertising companies O-Media and APN Outdoor to merge. The deal had collapsed after the ACCC said in May that it considered it would reduce competition in the outdoor advertising market. Luckily for Murdoch and Gordon... The ACCC came to the conclusion that reducing the number of TV players from four to three would not significantly reduce competition in the TV market. In August 2017, ACCC chairman Rod Sims argued that any such deal would strengthen 10 in competing with nine and seven. While this transaction would result in some reduction in diversity across the Australian media landscape, we have concluded it would not substantially lessen competition, which is the test the ACCC is required to assess acquisitions against, said Sims. Including the salaries of the 750 staff, TEN's debts amounted to nearly $1 billion. The biggest unsecured creditors were CBS, which was owed $348 million, and 21st Century Fox, which was claiming $195 million debt. Formula One was owed $20 million. Local production houses were also owed money. Endemol Shine, makers of MasterChef and Survivor, put in a claim for $12.4 million. Fremantle Media, creator of Neighbours and quiz show Have You Been Paying Attention, claimed $4.9 million. ITV Studios Australia, maker of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, was owed $3.5 million. Combank was owed $98 million. CBS knew 10 well. Not only had the company been a long-term buyer of shows like NCIS and The Good Wife, but Digital Channel 11 had been a joint venture since launching seven years earlier, with two-thirds owned by 10 and one-third by CBS. Nicknamed The Eye after its logo, CBS competed with the Fox network as the top-rating broadcast channel in the US, and usually won. The network was run by the legendary Les Moonves, one of the most powerful people in the world entertainment industry. Behind the scenes, Moonves and the boss of CBS Studios International, Armando Nunez, were trying to work out the best way of getting what they were owed. As a creditor, they'd get a few cents on the dollar. And Australia was a key market for the company's studio output. They started to weigh up options, including joint ventures, or trying to buy 10 outright. Murdoch and Gordon appeared to have calculated that CBS would not move fast enough to put in a bid. As Cordamentha's deadline for bids arrived in late August, most of the media industry still saw a joint bid for Murdoch and Gordon 
as a virtual done deal, even though the media laws were yet to pass the Senate. CBS decided that the best way of protecting its money, and growing its international footprint, was to own 10 outright. It lobbed in a bid on Thursday the 24th of August, just before the official 5pm deadline. Murdoch and Gordon got their bid in the next day. Over the weekend, Cordamentha weighed up the two offers and dropped a bombshell on the media world on the Monday morning. Although it will be subject to a vote of the creditors, the administrator was recommending the CBS bid. We have been able to acquire it at a valuation that gives us confidence we will grow this asset by applying our programming expertise in a market with which we are already familiar, said Moonves. This acquisition not only presents CBS with considerable broadcasting opportunities in Australia, but also allows for further multi-platform distribution and growth, added Nunez. The deal also received the imprimatur of TEN's CEO, Paul Anderson. CBS and TEN have had a strong relationship for a number of years. We are very excited about further developing that relationship with CBS as an owner and the strength that they will provide to the company at this critical time. The CBS deal would leave the original shareholders, including Murdoch, Packer and Gordon, with nothing the money would go to the creditors. Although it is starting to look academic, the Turnbull government delivered on its part of the plan, with the changes to the media ownership laws passing the Senate on the 14th of September. It took crossbenchers from the Nick Xenophon team and Pauline Hanson's One Nation to get it across the line. It was a good outcome for all of the big media owners. The two out of three rule was repealed, and the hefty licence fees, which had once seen the TV industry pay 9% of its annual $4 billion advertising revenue to the government, the percentage, however, had been gradually reduced since 2013, were abolished altogether and replaced with $40 million spectrum fees. And TV networks would no longer be limited to reaching just 75% of the population. Murdoch and Gordon refused to give up hope, increasing their bid ahead of the creditor meeting. And they also went to the Supreme Court in a bid to argue that CBS should not be able to vote because it was an interested party. The court ruled against them on the 18th of September. When it came time for the creditors to vote the next day, there were two numbers that mattered. One was according to the amount owed, which was dominated by CBS. The other was by the number of creditors, which included all the individual staff members. In an embarrassing referendum on Lachlan Murdoch's time as CEO, along with unhappiness at the role the letter to the board might have played in tipping the company into administration, the staff went unanimously for CBS. In the end, the deal saw CBS pay a total of $213 million dollars to own 10. It was the least that had ever been paid to buy an Australian TV network. There were plenty of loose ends to tie up. With the marriage called off, 10 needed to pull its advertising sales back out of the News Corp orbit. 
in August 2018, TEN announced that it would end its contract with Foxtel's MCN, bringing its sales team back in-house under Chief Sales Officer Rod Prosser. This is about really taking our destiny in our own hands. The world's changed a lot in the last three years since we entered the relationship with MCN. The ad world has changed, the audience has changed, and we've had a change of ownership, Anderson said. There were more free-to-air hiccups for 10. In October 2018, it rebranded its digital channels 11 and 1 as 10 Peach and 10 Boss. But it turned out that Fairfax Media owned the intellectual property rights around Boss as a media brand through Australian Financial Review's Boss magazine. In December, Boss became bold instead. In December 2018, the company finally entered the subscription streaming space, launching 10 All Access for $9.99 per month, the same price as Netflix and Stan. Based on the same model as CBS All Access in the US, it looked more like a flag in the ground rather than the finished product. Initially, the content was lacklustre compared with its rivals. It became a more interesting proposition in 2019, though, when CBS merged with Viacom to recreate a media giant. The two companies had split in 2006. The new-look Viacom CBS was a true behemoth, including the Paramount Pictures Film and Television Studio, MTV, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central and Showtime. The company relaunched CBS All Access as Paramount Plus in the US on the 4th of March 2021. The vast content library amounted to 30,000 episodes from its studio archives, along with new, commissioned, original content. The company said that it would launch Ten All Access as Paramount Plus in Australia midway through 2021. The new Viacom connection also fed into the launch of Ten's new digital channel, Ten Shake, which launched in July 2020 with kids content in the day and edgier programming in the evenings. Ten's CEO Paul Anderson moved on in March 2020 after 17 years with the company. Viacom CBS split the leadership, while programmer Beverly McGarvey became chief content officer and executive vice president, the commercial future of Ten would be in the hands of an executive who had never worked in TV before. Cordamentha partner Jared Villani joined the company with one of those long job titles beloved by American companies. Co-lead and executive vice president of Viacom CBS ANZ and chief operating and commercial officer of Network 10. That was the latest chapter of my narration of my book, Media Unmade. You can buy the book online and at all good bookstores. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, if you want to hear all future chapters, you'll need to be a paying subscriber of Unmade. You can sign up at unmade.media. That's the URL, simply unmade.media. Once you do, it only takes a couple of clicks to add the paid-for feed to the podcast app of your choice. The book was written and recorded in Northwest Tasmania on the land of the Palawa people. 
This podcast is produced with the enthusiastic help of Abe's Audio. For voiceovers and audio production, from corporate to commercial, go to abesaudio.com.au. I'll be back with the next chapter soon. Toodle pip.